Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast, conversations for transformation. Hello, everyone. Rick Thomas here at lifeovercoffee.com. Did you know we have several free digital downloadable books in our store? I would love for you to have them. There is no catch whatsoever. Head over to lifeovercoffee.com. Go to our store and get those free books and please share them with a friend. Perhaps you heard in the last week or so that there is a controversy about the movie The Blind Side, actually the real live people that the movie is about. Well, it looks like there's going to be some litigation as what was presented in the movie may or may not be true. It's alleged at this point. You can follow that if you wish. I am not going to comment on it because honestly, I do not know. And then also, I know that our cultural commentators, they will keep us in the loop over this cycle. I just hope that whatever the truth is, that it will come out and everything will be settled up and people will reconcile the way that we should. And so again, I'm not really interested in this latest flare up between the folks that were a part of the movie, The Blind Side. But when I heard about the news, uh, it did remind me of that movie. And I just want to say that I can't stand that movie, and I want to share with you why, and I want to make a couple of appeals to you as well. I remember watching The Blind Side in 2009, just a few weeks after it came out. I listened to a lot of the reviews, and there were a lot of Christian people who applauded this movie Everybody seemed to be giving it two thumbs up. And so I wanted to see the movie. Sandra Bullock, she won an Academy Award as the lead in the movie, and it seemed like a no-brainer to watch it. And as you, well, as I might expect, I cried at four different parts or points during the movie because that's what I do. I tend to cry at the slightest hint of a redemption story. I can watch any movie where there is a very good emotional ending, and I will probably cry. Even a blooming dog movie, when the dog gets lost and comes over the hill in the last five minutes, and everybody is celebrating, and well, I do what I do, and so I am crying And The Blind Side, it was presented as a classic redemption story. Now, as far as the storyline is concerned, that aspect of it, it is a redemption story. It's about a young man named Michael Orr. He was a poor kid from the worst side of town, and he was going through some of the most horrific circumstances that you could imagine. And then in time, he was redeemed by a wealthy family who had the wherewithal to provide for him all that he could ever want or need. And through this unimaginable connection, Michael is schooled academically. He's given that opportunity. He is also schooled in football. And the parents that took him in, Leanne and Sean Tui. They give him the chance of a lifetime. Now, I am just reiterating what the movie is about. I am talking about the screenplay. What really happened, I mean, I'm sure that's close to truth. And again, there is a controversy that has come up in the last few days. And so what I am commenting on here is just a straight read of the movie, uh, of the screenplay. And so Leanne and Sean Tui, they give him this chance to go to college. Later, he was drafted by the NFL. I think he played for the Baltimore Ravens. 
and the Carolina Panthers and maybe another team or two. And so The Blind Side was called an extraordinary true story. And of course, the way that it was presented, it was extraordinary. I cried four times. And so Michael had a career in the NFL, and now he is retired. And so when you look at the story, you watch the movie, just from that perspective, it is really amazing. And the thing that makes it amazing is that there is a running echo of the gospel throughout. And that's what we like. And when I say we, I mean everybody. It is innate within us, whether you're Christian or not. In this context, it makes no difference if you're a Christian or not. There is something in us that likes the story of the redemption. When a person is taken from the worst case scenario, and then there is this victory, there's this overcoming the odds, whether it's a, a dog coming home at the end of the movie, whether it's Michael or having this privilege of a lifetime, or the most important of all is Christ dying on the tree. We were born to love a redemption story. Well, this is how the blind side was presented. And again, just from that perspective, it was a fantastic movie. But there is a sad side to the blind side. Per usual, any good story out of Hollywood has a side that is frustrating, and for me, it's just irksome. It is so frustrating to the point that it interferes, it overwhelms, it convolutes, and in my view, it absolutely cancels the goodness of the storyline. Now, I don't know how accurate the movie is to true life. Again, I can only comment on the story portrayed from the screenwriter's interpretation. And so I don't mean any ill will toward Sandra Bullock, Michael Orr, the real-life characters, Michael Orr and Leanne and Sean Tuohy. Don't mean anything negative about them at all. But it's the worldview of the movie that was just so repulsive. This is what I mean. Just in a sentence, I, I think I could... Boil it down in a sentence. Sandra Bullock, her character, okay, plays an aggressive, unsubmissive, egalitarian, feminist with the male authority figures in her life cowing down to her whims and sin patterns. And that is the most succinct way to communicate the sad side to the, bl to the blind side, and that's why it's so irksome to me. Now, in 2009, I believe that this was really low on our awareness. It, it was really not on anybody's radar as far as what our culture was shifting into. But here we are a decade and a half later, and we can see it as clear as day. And I know that when you speak negatively of a movie like The Blind Side that is supposedly from a Christian perspective, that even the Christians can rear up and say, stay, stay in your lane, and who are you to comment on this movie? It's just a movie. Well, yeah, it is just a movie. 
But if you interpret it through the worldview that it is presented, it is more than a movie. And this is the problem that we Christians have been having for decades now. We have a mindset of just, you just leave us alone and we will leave you alone. You do you and we'll do us and everything will be fine. Well, that's not how it works. And one of the things that I'm thankful for in this dark age that we're living in is that there are Christians that are coming alive. There are Christians that are gaining an awareness, uh, this separation of Christianity from culture. Uh, Now we're realizing that it just can't be that way because the cultural evangelists are not going to leave us alone. They're not going to be satisfied with getting permission to do whatever it is they want to do. They will only be satisfied when we are totally evangelized and we are indoctrinated in their worldview, in their practices, in their religion. I was talking to a gentleman recently, and he said, what has happened to our culture? And in his view, it's like it just happened, like it just sprung up upon us. Well, it didn't just happen. I was telling him about in 1973, right in that time, when the DSM switched. Every few years, we get a new DSM. It's a Diagnostic Statistical Manual. Currently, we have the DSM-5, but back then, we had the DSM-1, the DSM-2, and then it switched to the DSM-3. And when it did, uh, it used to be that the gay lifestyle or homosexuality was a deviant behavior. And then when they switched the DSM in, I think, again, 1973, uh, homosexuality was no longer a deviant behavior, but they created a new term called homophobia. And so the people that really had the problem were people who were against homosexuality, where prior to homosexuality, again, was a deviant behavior. And this has been going on for a long time. And then in 2015, they legalized homosexual marriage. It didn't just happen, as my friend was saying to me. It has been a slow boil. It has been so subtle and so incremental that we haven't been paying attention. We have been asleep at the wheel. Well, in 2009, when I saw The Blind Side, I mean, I really went in wanting to see a a Christocentric, bibliocentric movie, a redemption story with an echo of the gospel, and just wanting to enjoy it. But as I was watching the screenplay being acted out, it's like, (laughs) no, this is something entirely different. This is the culture's worldview. And now, again, here we are all these years later where it is just blatant, and this is what we see in The Blind Side. Now, admittedly, Sean Tuohy, as portrayed in the movie, is a successful entrepreneur. But when it comes to the art of husbandry, the skill of being a leader in the home, husbandry is from the old English word husbandman, a tiller of the soil, a gardener, a person who who protects and provides, a person who leads. This is what a husband is. Well, Sean Tui, as presented in the movie, is not that at all. He acts more like a, a wimp than a biblical man. And by the way, they do portray this family as Christians, 
And per usual, whenever Christians are portrayed, uh, you get something more like Mark Driscoll or Westboro Baptist Church. You do not get a biblical presentation of what a Christian man is, and the blind side is not that at all. Now, you could give Sean Tui a hall pass because he does show some leadership qualities in that he was in the business world, maybe still is, seems to be successful at it, but yet he is a wimp when it comes to being a husband and also the coach of the football team. He completely flunks out, and it makes you wonder why he, why he was the coach in the first place. They portray him as a man who has limited capacities as a coach. There is actually one scene when Sandra Bullock, playing the character, she comes out, on the practice field, and Michael's not doing football stuff like he's supposed to, and she coaches him up, and then she grabs a few other players and pulls them around by their face mask and grabbing them. And, you know, here's a hundred and plus something pound little petite woman moving 250 plus pound men around the football field. And of course, Michael now, he has the vision and he is regenerated and he is genuinely affected athletically and he's ready to go. And it's a pivotal point in the movie when the coach could not do this, but this petite woman can can come out there, an incredibly smallish woman like Sandra Bullock's character bullying football players by yanking them around on the face mask. And by the way, when this scene closes out, true to form, exactly what you would expect. Some of the players turn and they stand and they're gawking at, at Sandra's backside as she is walking off the field. The point is made, the point is taken, the worldview is conveyed. These players fulfill their roles as men who can do nothing more than lust after the opposite sex. And the story was absolutely straightforward. Men are dumb, men are lustful, and women are the ones who can get things done. Now, there's some truth to that. Men can be very dumb and men can be very lustful. We live in a fallen world, and I would not, I would not make any excuses for that. But it's the continual, residual onslaught of this worldview. I mean, even when you portray a Christian family, men are dumb, men are lustful, and women can get things done. And it's absolutely irksome over and over again, a 110-pound woman flipping 250-pound men around, as you see in some of these action movies. It does irk me to see men and women portrayed this way. If you want a redemption story, if you, if you want a, if you're going to call it or communicate in some way that it is a Christian movie, then let men be men. Let men do what men do. They are they lead their families. They lead their wives. They protect their families. They provide for their families. Women, they have great skill. They have a lot to provide, but within hierarchy stru hierarchical structure, they submit to the, to the husband in the home. But we live in a feminist culture. It's a girl world where men are not allowed to be men, not even in the holy sanctum of athletics. I am ranting here, but again, the movie is just so frustrating, and I was reminded of it again. 
as this controversy came up. And I'm thinking some people will go and watch this movie and it's like, hey, let's relive this again. It was a fantastic movie. No, it's a terrible movie from a Christian perspective. You know, sports is the last bastion where men are allowed to be men. And now here we have Sandra's character prancing across the practice field, jerking men around while mocking the coach, who apparently is not qualified to lead men that the very school has charged him to lead. It was so over the top that I do not recommend this movie, would never watch it again, never own it, would not want anybody to watch the movie I have written a lot of articles on marriage counseling issues. I have been doing marriage counseling for a hundred years now, just forever. And do you know what the number one issue is uh, in marriage by far? In fact, it is so number one, I'm not even sure what number two and three are. The number one issue in marriage is weak men and strong women, passive men and non-passive women over and over and over again. This issue is huge in our culture, and it has taken a stranglehold on the Christian culture as well. Everything has flipped, and we have been blindsided by it. And the movie, The Blind Side, it exemplifies our culture's feministic agenda very well. And I hope at this point, where we are in our culture, that this anti-Christian worldview, as exemplified in this movie, that it does not blindside you. And so I've titled this, The Sad Side to the Blind Side, as I was reminded again last week why I disdained the movie, but I disdained this worldview. And we need to have the courage to speak up with compassion, with kindness, but with firmness, and with competency, that there is a way to live your life. God has given us that way, and it is in His Word. God's Word tells us how we can live our lives and and how we can honor Him and serve one another. And one of those is for men to lead and stop buying in to this cultural evangelistic message that is just is warping the way that we think, and then we are exporting this on to the next generation. And now there have been multiple generations now that have bought into this egalitarian, feministic uh, way of life, and it cannot go well. It will not go well. And we see that already in our culture. Statistically, everything seems to be going in the wrong direction. And the more they push to turn the world upside down, the more the world is going to collapse on our heads. By the way, if you want to read an excellent book uh, about the war on uh, toxic masculinity, well, that's the title of this book here. It's called The Toxic War on Masculinity. It was written by Nancy Percy. I did have the opportunity to pre-read this book and to write a review uh, for it, and I, I did. I highly recommend this book. I had a gentleman actually write me yesterday from Texas, and he saw my review in the book. He said, Rick, what do you think about this book? Well, I reviewed it, 
And I told him that you absolutely need to read this book. Every man needs to read it, but women as well. This is a superb book that explains in a lot more detail than what I'm sharing with you here. Uh, the problem that we have in our culture just in this one area, and Nancy has done a wonderful job, uh, the toxic war on masculinity, how Christianity reconciles the sexes. The blind sign is the exact opposite of that, and it's so unfortunate uh, that they have shoved this worldview inside of this Christian shell, and they have presented it as a Christianized movie with an echo of the gospel in it, and it is a terrible movie. And I trust, and I talked about this back in 2009 when it came out, and there were several Christians who were mad at me because of this review that I gave about the book. But I think it was quite prescient that I gave that review because, again, now you index forward a decade and a half. And if you can't see what's going on in our culture, well, God help you uh, because it is happening in technicolor and we need to do something about it. We need to be honest. We need to be men and women of integrity. We need to be competent in God's word. We need to communicate it with courage. We don't have to be unkind. We don't have to go into the Twitter space or the X space now and, and communicate the way they do is in a dumpster fire, but we don't need to back up and we don't need to cancel or censor ourselves. And we can do this with a compassionate but competent and courageous way. The sad side to the blind side. I want to ask you a couple of questions before uh, I wrap up here. And I, I trust that you would take these questions and maybe have a discussion between a husband and a wife or within a men's group, even within a ladies group that you, you talk about this and just have a, a, a discussion about where we are and what we can do about it. And one of the questions, and you can find it in this review article that I have here at lifeovercoffee.com, just look for the sad side to the blind side and you will find uh, this article. You'll find everything I just shared with you. But here's, the, here's one of the questions. What does it mean for a man to lead his family? What does it mean? And so we have two constructs in which we live in as uh, married couples. Uh, one construct is a hierarchy of a, a man following God and a wife following her husband and the children following the parents. That is a hierarchy. And we live in a hierarchical culture. We can't, we can't live in any other culture other than a hierarchical culture, there has to be order, whether it's in the family, whether it's our civil authorities, governmental authorities, whether it's employer, employee, a, a coach and, and the team. I mean, we live, teachers, students, I mean, everywhere there is hierarchy and that, that is order. That brings order. But here's the thing is that when people look at the hierarchy, uh, they say, well, we're not equal. And so they're trying to make everybody equal, and they're demolishing the hierarchy. They're demolishing order, and they're creating chaos. As I said, there are two constructs. There is a hierarchical systems within our culture in order for there to be order, in order for us to live peaceably with one another. But there is also equality. Nobody is better than anyone else. Hierarchy never communicates that one person is better than the other. I am not better than our children. I'm not 
better than my wife. An employer is not better than his employees. A coach is not better than uh, the people that he or she, that they are coaching. A teacher is not better than their students. These two things are true at the same time. We have to have order. We have to have structure. But it doesn't mean that there is inequality, that we're all the same. And so we have different positions in life. We have different gifts. We have different talents. We have different abilities, different capacities. And we fit within these hierarchical structures according to some of those things but it doesn't make anyone better. And I don't understand why this is so complicated. And actually, I don't think it's complicated at all. I think there's just people in this world that just reject God, reject system, reject order, and they have other uh, other agendas which will be to our detriment. The question is, what does it mean for a man to lead his family? And then number two, what would motivate a man to take a passive leadership role in his family? Now, that is something to give some thought to because it can be complex. Uh, this simple retort is for why don't you just grow a backbone and why don't you lead? Well, that is simplistic and that's not how you help someone to change. There is a reason that a man would be passive in his leadership and, and most every time uh, it will the reason he leads passively in his marriage predates him even meeting his future wife before they ever dated the first time, that he brings his former manner of life into his current marital relationship, and he takes a passive leadership role. Well, this has long legs. This has a history. This is a multi-decade uh, lifestyle habituation uh, that he has brought in. And so when you ask what would motivate a man to be passive or take a passive leadership in the role, uh, role in his family, we need to be more intelligent about these things. We need to have more clarity. Uh, the Bible helps us to untangle these kinds of complexity. And so we need to give time thinking about it and not just giving simplistic answers or just rebuking a man or calling him a wuss, which he may be. But there's a reason that he is a wuss, and we need to help him not to be a wuss any longer. Paul would say that we restore them in a spirit of gentleness, keeping watch on yourself so that you don't send your brains out because this person is not changing. The question is, what would motivate a man to take a passive leadership role in his family? Question number three, what would motivate a woman to lead her husband and family? And that, too, can be complex. It can be layered. It, you could simply say, why don't you just stand down? Why don't you just stay in your lane? But those are harsh and unnecessary comments. You need to come alongside this woman and see what's going on and the interaction between her and, and her husband and how you can reorient the home into a hierarchy that models what the Bible teaches. And so we don't want to be simplistic in our responses to these upside down and out of order constructs that we see in our culture, particularly I'm, I'm talking about the family, specifically the husband and wife relationship. The question is, what would motivate a woman to lead her husband and her family? She too will have a former manner of life that she has brought into her Christian experience and into her marriage. And then question number four, this would be 
the last one. What is one thing you can do to communicate a biblical worldview for manhood and, and womanhood? Just what is one thing that you can do? If you are a stay-at-home mom, well, that would be obvious. You want to teach those children what does it mean to be a man and what does it mean to be a woman. If you're a stay-at-home mom, you want to have a, a conversation with your husband. Husband, what is one thing you can do? You can have a conversation with, with your wife as to what it means to be a husband and wife. What can you do? Uh, some of you have a greater sphere of influence outside of your home, but do not neglect your home. That is the starting point. Uh, the local church is made up of elements or component parts. The local church is made up of, of family units, a husband and a wife, or a husband and wife and children, uh, young people. I mean, each one of these units make up the local church, and so each person has agency. Each element, each unit within that church needs to understand what biblical manhood and womanhood means. And so that would be a starting point for all of us to understand what the Bible says about what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman? And then when they come together as man and woman, what does that mean in that hierarchical structure? How do we pass that down generationally? And we continue to fan out. We do exactly what the culture has been doing for 50 years, 100 years, as they have been incrementally deconstructing the family, well, we need to invert that. We need to stand that on his head. Or do what the Bible says, go and make disciples. But specifically in this one area, it is absolutely critical as the cultural evangelists, they, they now, <clears throat> excuse me, they now own the zeitgeist of the age. And they are communicating that worldview and it is trickling down generationally and you see it coming through. This movie, The Blind Side, which I I do not recommend at all, but I do, I'll recommend again this book by Nancy Piercy, uh, The Toxic War on Masculinity. By the way, there's another book. I don't have it here, but I went through it a couple of times last year. It's by Anthony Insulin. You spell insulin, E-N-S-O-L-E-N. He wrote a book called No Apologies. I think the subtitle is something like how the world was built on the backs of men. This is a very strong and clear book on what it means to be a man by Anthony Insulin. The, it's called No Apologies. It is just a profound book. His book and Nancy's book here, they will be excellent. And I, I think that I think everybody just needs to read them and then we need to take a, a stand and we need to communicate very clearly. Now, we have uh, resources at lifeovercoffee.com. We give most of our resources away because we're just that passionate about a Christocentric message, and we want people to have uh, these free resources. Krista just wrote in a few days ago that she found our website, and she has been digging down into these resources, can't get enough. And so I appreciate her writing in and letting us know that, Krista. I appreciate your kind comment. Please continue to read and continue to share. I have written dozens upon dozens of articles on what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman, how to have a marriage, how to reconcile, and how to, how to build a home according to what the Bible teaches. And those resources are all over our website at lifeovercoffee.com. And so please take advantage of them. 
uh, we have them in a read, watch, listen format. And so you can, if you like reading, do it. If you just want to listen, I have over 1,500 podcasts. You can listen to them. They're all free. They're all for you. Uh, we have over 1,000 videos. They're all for you. Just listen to them and share them. And then, of course, we have over 1,000 articles also on all things pertaining to life and godliness. Please take advantage of them. If you want to read what I just shared with you about this review of the blind side, again, it's called the sad side to the blind side. Thank you so much, and God bless. Thanks for joining us. Learn more and get access to other resources at lifeovercoffee.com.